0: قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم La تَأْخُدُهُمْ سِنَةٌ وَلَا نَوْمٌ So in your gathering,
1: gathering, gathering with the remembrance, remembrance upon Muhammad and Ali Muhammad As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Amir al-Mu'mineen, recite the second salawat. For Allah to shower onto this gathering with His infinite mercy and compassion, and to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Sahib al-Asri wa al-Zaman, recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. We talk about his religion, we talk about his laws and regulations, we talk about his scriptures and books, we talk about his prophets and messengers. We talk about his friends, and we talk about his foes. We talk about his reward, and we talk about his punishment. We talk about heaven. We talk about hell. However, we rarely take time to spend quality time To reflect on him, Allah Jalla Jalalu. Allah Azza wa Jal. And what we have realized from the seerah, the methodology of Rasulullah and the Ahlul Bayt, specifically in the month of Rajab. The month of Sha'ban, the month of Ramadan and specifically the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan is an ultimate focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rejuvenate our relationship with the almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To nurture our hearts, our minds, our souls, our entire existence with Hubbullah, the awareness surrounding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is how this is exactly how the heart of a believer must be filled with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad ibn al-Sadiq says, If you want to know if you're a mu'min, if you're a true believer, إِنَّ قَلْبَ الْمُؤْمِنِ haram Allah.' It is the sanctuary of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fala tuskin. غَيْرَ اللَّهِ حَرَمَ اللَّهِ Do not allow anyone and anything else to reside in your heart. However, brothers and sisters, today there are 7 billion people around the world, 3.5 billion households that have questions surrounding God. Not His religion, not His laws, not His regulations, not His heaven and hell. About the essence of God Himself, especially after the pandemic. Many conversations around the world are asking, how can God do this to people? How can the entire globe be inflicted with a pandemic? How can people suffer? Where is God? Where is the justice of God? Where is the power of God? Where is the might of God? Did religion give solution to people? Or was it science? Science that came and gave the entire world a vaccine. Use this vaccine. See cure in this vaccine. And some ultra-religious conservatives, not just Muslims, Muslims, Christians, Orthodox, Jews, others, opposed the vaccine. So a lot of people are asking, what is the relevance of God? What is the relevance of religion? What role does God play in my life? And they see some people suffering, whether it's family issues, whether it's illnesses, whether it's cancer, whether it's poverty. And they ask, well, this person spent his life with Allah. Devoted to Allah. Devoted to faith. What happened to God? Where is God in their life now? When they need God, where is God? How come God is not helping them? So how is God relevant in our lives today in the year 2022, especially those living in the West? We look at the world And we see that it's filled with injustice, with tyranny, with oppression, with poverty. 25% of people around the world do not even have drinking water, clean drinking water to drink. And there are powerful, agnostic, atheist movements that instill this in the minds of everybody, especially the children at school. And when we discuss such issues and when we raise such issues, there are some people who say, but those things are not so relevant to our community. Alhamdulillah, our community, they're all mu'min, they're all muttaqi, they're all at the peak of iman, peak of yaqeen. They don't question anything, they don't, so those are irrelevant topics to us. We're happy to discuss more traditional things. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, the minbar of Imam al hussein this minbar, this minbar that is dedicated to Allah and to Rasulullah and to the Qur'an and to the Bayt, it is different than a restaurant. Why? Because when you go to a restaurant, you order your favorite food. You don't order something you don't like. You order your favorite meal. So they bring your favorite meal and you enjoy the meal. The restaurant, the minbar is also not like your local shisha cafe. You go there, you order your most favorite blend grape mint. They bring you the grape mint, you enjoy the minbar is not a shisha cafe, it's not a restaurant. How? Because the minbar doesn't just look at what you need and what you like, what serves your purpose only. What you desire to hear about, the member, an honest member, a vibrant member that is alive, looks at the need of the entire community, and remains steadfast, and remains resilient, and remains strong. And sometimes I don't blame some people who complain about sub- subjects that are taboos or different. I don't blame them to some extent. Why? Because they're clueless. Literally, they're clueless. He sends his children to public schools. They get to watch Netflix. They're 24-7 streaming on YouTube. But when it comes to the minbar, he wants to put restrictions around the mimbar. This is the dilemma that we have. While some people sit and argue on the style of Sheikh Abd al-Zahra al-Ka'bi and Sayyid al-Tawarjawi and which one reads in better style? The world is discussing a battle over God. This is reality. Let me wake you up to some reality. What do I mean a battle over God? Do I mean a battle between atheists and Muslims? Between Muslims and non-Muslims? Between Christians and Jews? Jews and Muslims? Between believers and non-believers? No, that's not what I mean. I mean a battle over God amongst believers. Amongst believers. Look at the history of the religious movement since the inception of religion on the face of this earth. Go read, read history. Read the history of the most deadly battles, most bloody battles, most bloody invasions. Crusades. People who are burnt alive, people who were buried alive, people who lost their limbs. Huh? Where do you, what do you find there? You find that Christians killed more Christians than atheists ever killed Christians. Christians burned more Christians than any other pagan army. Christians buried other Christians alive than any other foreign army. What about Muslims? Muslims have killed more Muslims than any other foreign entity. The Christians kill other Christians to glorify Jesus, right? He's a Christian. This other fellow is a Christian too. They kill each other. They fight each other. They burn each other to glorify Jesus. And Muslims the same thing. They kill one another to glorify God. The battle is over God, but they kill each other. They crucify each other. They cut each other's limbs. Look at the past month only. The past month, look at the news. Afghanistan, Pakistan, the kingdom of terrorism, all those. Some people were beheaded. Some people during their Ramadan gatherings, reading the Quran, doing dua to Allah, they're blasted. Some people, during Salatul Jumu'ah, during Salah, they are killed. Who kills them? An army from Mars and Jupiter came invaded this earth and killed them? No. It's Muslims who attack them, all to glorify Allah. Is this something foreign? No. This is embedded in the Holy Quran. You're all very lucky I said this almost every night to have a professional Qur'an reciter amongst you that reads the Qur'an in a beautiful melody, a beautiful voice. We read the Qur'an and we contemplate on the Qur'an. Let us understand the Qur'an when we come across some ayat. Let's not be like certain people. Let's avoid being people who the Qur'an condemns. The problem is we read the Qur'an. We see the Qur'an condemning some characteristics, some bad behaviors, but we fall into it. This is the problem. شَهْرُ رَمَضَان الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فيه القرآن هدا للناس. هدا للناس. Guidance, religion, is meant to make your life more beautiful, more meaningful, more peaceful. Read the Qur'an. Who bullied prophets? Who harassed prophets? Who killed prophets and messengers of God? Was it the non-religious community or the religious community? Ask the Qur'an. The Qur'an will tell you it is not just the religious, the ultra-religious, ultra-conservative, ultra-holy people who went after the prophets. Subhanallah. Look at Maryam. مريم كلما دخل عليها المحراب زكريا وجد عندها رزقا قال يا مريم أنا لك هذا قالت هو من من عند منو البقال من عند الله الله descends onto her heavenly food she's known for her purity she's known for her iman she's known for her taqwa for her righteousness As soon as she comes with this child, قَالُوا يَا مَرْيَمُ Anna لَكِ هَذَا Where did you come up with this? Who was it? The people at the bars and the nightclubs who questioned her? No, it was the rabbis. It was the priests. It was the people who saw her every single day. And Allah says, "Maryam, those guys you can't convince them. Nothing. You cannot convince those people. So instead, be quiet. Don't argue with them. Just point at this baby. That's all you need to do. إِلَيْهِ قَالُوا كَيْفَ نكلم من كان في المهدي How can we speak to this child? Are you trying to get away with this crime? You've committed adultery. Allah rescued her. He spoke. This child spoke in the cradle. قَالَ inni Abdullah اللَّهِ آتَانِيَ الْكِتَابَ وَجَعْلَنِي نبيّة. But not all of us have a baby in the cradle to defend us sometimes. What about Faraon? Some people f- feel, think that Faraon was anti-religion. He was anti-faith. Faraon used religion to scare people from Musa. He said he's going to change your deen, corrupt your religion, corrupt your faith. This is what I'm afraid Musa will do to you. Subhanallah. How people will use religion to their advantage. Who else? Rasulullah. Who stood against Rasulullah? Quraysh. What was their job? To maintain the Kaaba. To have Allah lat Al-Uzza. This was their faith. This was a religion. This was holy to them. This was sanctified to them. Who stood with, ras- with the pagans against Rasulullah? Who? Other minorities, Christians and Jews, stood against Rasulullah and called him the Antichrist. And until today. Who surrounded Imam al Hussein? Who gave legitimacy to the murder of Imam al Hussein? Who? Umar ibn Sa'd. Who was Umar ibn Sa'd? He was the son of Sa'd ibn Abi. Who was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas? Amongst the so called Al Ashra al mubashra Al Jannah. He has a key to paradise, but his son stands to, to, to destroy Imam al Hussein. Ya Khail Allah, Kabi wa Sadr al Hussein Ruddhi. This is the son of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. Why was he made Amir? Because he had religious legitimacy. Because he was a religious scholar. People looked at him, they said, Saad ibn Abi Waqqas, he's an alim, he knows what he's doing. And I tell you sometimes, I'm not here to please anybody and talk about history only to you. I'm talking, I want to talk about what's real in our community today. Sometimes we find the same type of mentality, the same type of people Almost in every Hussainiyyah, every masjid, every gathering, the ultra-holy, ultra-conservative. And they don't mind if they're the only people in the masjid. Four people, they're there, that's all they care about. What about all the other people? The people here are important, but people outside those four walls are as important as people within those four walls. What about them? Who's going to go after them? Who's going to help them? Who's going to guide them? Who's going to answer their questions? But Ahlul Bayt are different, brothers. Ahl al Bayt, they are the hope that we have. If we follow, if we truly follow their way, we have hope. We're inspired by them. Amir al muminin wa mawla al-Mu'ahadeen, Abu al-A'immah, the one who we're commemorating this night, he was the one that believed and practiced freedom of speech. Freedom of expression, for people to ask, to think, to ponder, not to suppress them. That is why when he gave khutbat al jumaah some people will rise, will stand up. لَقَدْ أَشْرَكْتَ يَا عَلِي لَقَدْ كَفَرْتَ يا علي. Why? Because he was saying things that were music to their ears? No. It was the Khawarij, the ultra-conservative who stood and they told him, أَشْرَكْتَ Ali. عَلِي كَفَرْتَ يا علي. So sometimes when we discuss a little controversial topics, we're lucky because we don't have somebody standing up telling us, Ashrakt. You know, kafart or throwing rocks at us. We're still lucky. It's only on YouTube and Instagram. Comments. Why? Why? Because he was willing to say things others were not willing to do. This is what I said a few nights ago. (laughs) Ammar, Maytham, Miqdad, Abu Dhar, Salman, Kumail ibn Ziyad al-Nakha'i. Adiy al-Kindi go read their biography those are Hawarin Amir al mumineen go read their biographies what did they do they said what others were not willing to say why because their aim was Allah their aim was Islam he is Abu al and after him like i said the hope is in Ahl al-Bayt salihan ba'da salih Wahadiyan and ba'da hadi Imam al-Sadiq came to rejuvenate the uqul of the Muslims. That's why he would sit and answer people's questions, including atheists, Ibn Abil al Go read the atheist, agnostic, skeptic movement in the time of Imam al-Sadiq. The only people who they speak to was whom? Imam al-Sadiq. One day, Ibn Abil al who was the head of the atheists, if you have someone in the community, let me ask you something. If you have someone in the community, he's known to be the head of the atheists. Can he come here and sit here? Answer me. Can he? No. Can he ask? Can he question? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't even give a platform to those who don't follow the same marja let alone he's skeptic about God. So he came to Imam al-Sadiq. And he said to him, I have a question, Ya ibn Rasulullah. Imam al-Sadiq, he smiled. So he said to him, Why are you smiling? He said, You're an atheist. He called me Ibn Rasulullah. He said, Ya ibn Rasulullah. It is your prestige. It is your honor. It is your presence. It is your respectful nature, persona that draws me to you. I have to honor you with your title. I have to give you the respect that you deserve. Problem is sometimes we find this exact same thing in our communities. You find the ultra holy, they let their tongue loose. Whatever comes out of this mouth has no filter. But the ones that have nothing with the religion, you see them respectful. What is the role of religion? Let's ask ourselves in those nights. What is the role of this faith within me? Imam al-Sadiq would speak to Ibn Abil al One day he came to him, and he said to him, Ya Rasulullah, uh, I have a lot of questions, but I'm shy to ask you. I'm shy. Because of your honorable nature. Imam al-Sadiq, look how easy he makes it for this atheist. He says, I have my students, Isha'am ibn al-Hakam and others who go out, they hear what you say. And they bring it to me. Would you like me to introduce your question? I make it easy for you. I'll ask your question and I'll respond to it. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. This is truly. Those are أهل dhikr فاسألو أهل الذكر إن كنتم لا تعلمون. This is it. And that is why today we have many of the youth; they don't have a good relationship with Allah. Allah no longer resides in their hearts. They're far away from Allah. They don't enjoy Allah's presence in their lives. And we don't think of them. And we don't have a plan to bring them back and to restore their relationship with the Almighty Allah. Why? Because we've closed our doors to everybody who's different than us. They say there was a a guy, his name was Mullah Liban. You could tell from his name. He was somebody like me, you know. When they didn't have a speaker, they would tell him, go and say something so we laugh at you. He only ate liban. This is why he was known as mullah liban. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Anywhere he goes, he eats yogurt. Mullah yogurt. So mullah yogurt, he was somebody who would go to places and they, when they wanted to make fun of somebody, they say, Go up, and say a few words. Some people with pure hearts would cry when he speaks. The others would laugh. But a few, very few would cry. So one day, and he would walk from city to city, village to village. Didn't have a home, very humble guy. So one day he ended up in a masjid. He got in, as soon as he got in, they told him, Come, come. Said what? They said the sheikh hasn't arrived. Come, come, sit, sit, say some words, because they wanted to laugh. So he came. He said, "Yeah, sure." He sat on the mimbar. He said, "Oh Allah, you know I love you, but please don't get ill. Don't get ill. Don't get sick. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Don't catch a terminal disease." Don't die. Because if you die, we will not have a God. We will not have Allah. We'll be godless. So they said, okay, enough, Come down. What the heck did you just say? Allah gets sick, Allah dies, Allah will be godless. He said, yes. Allah, Jalla جل jalalu. Al-Qadr, Al-Khaliq, Al-Basit, he'll never die. He never dies. He never gets ill. He never catches a terminal illness. But where does Allah live? Where does Allah live? I'm asking you, where does Allah live? Allah lives in our hearts. Right? Allah lives in your beautiful heart. What about the hearts? Allah dies. He gets ill first here. Catches a terminal illness. Then he dies. He says, what you folks are doing, you're putting Allah to death. Let's hear it from Mullah bin. This is the problem. Sometimes we, from this number, we introduce the wrong Allah. Today, brothers and sisters, we gather, read du'a Jawshan Al-Kabir, we read du'a Abu Hamza Al-Thamali, we read du'a al iftitah we read all those du'as, but do we know this Allah? Do we have that love, that passion for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And I'm here to speak of you, misconceptions, that sometimes we have installed in people's minds. We need to erase those misconceptions from people's minds, to draw them back to Allah. Number one, before we begin, very quickly and conclude, because I know you're all tired from yesterday, and inshallah we have a big night of a'mal ahead of us tomorrow on the 23rd, and we conclude, I conclude my portion of being at your service. Before we do that, three loud salawat ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala muhammad wa ali muhammad The third with the loudest of your voices <sighs> Number one Is that Allah This God Is the God of punishment He's waiting To strike as soon as you make a mistake, he strikes. So when people become ill, why are you ill? Ah, you forgot about that sin. This is it. It's coming to you now. That's why you have cancer. Or they go tell their, you know why this guy has cancer? Because 10 years ago he committed the sin or he did this or he, now he has cancer. He's impoverished. Why? Because Allah made him impoverished. Allah is punishing him. His family has family problems. Allah is punishing him. His child is not a good child. Allah is punishing him. What is this Allah? He has nothing else to do but punish people. I don't want this Allah. Why do I have to obey and worship a God that's waiting to punish people? Left, right, and center. You, Whatever you do, you get punished. Others, this is not Allah. Allah has Arhamur rahimin. Allah has ghafaru dhunub Satarul uyub Rahmatuhu was'at shay And Allah beautifully within the Quran shows us a prophet of God that was thrown in the whale. A prophet of God who had a bad child. A prophet of God who had a bad wife. A prophet of God like Ya'qub, who all the calamities fell onto him. So if it is the fact that we look at problems and we say this is the punishment of Allah, Allah gave us examples and He said, don't judge. Don't say Allah is punishing them. If anything, this is the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I don't have time to get into it. But let us not project Allah as a God that is waiting to punish, wants to punish, Eager to punish, thirsty to punish like the Russian mafia. Huh? Number two, Allah Allah, is not a God of rituals. Because Allah created the black and the white and the Iraqi and the Lebanese and the Afghani and the Iranian and the Japanese and the Chinese and the American and the redneck. and the, All of them were created by Allah. So he doesn't pick and choose certain cultures and rituals and nationalities over others. Don't try to convince your children, Wallah no, we we're the best. All the rest are good, but we're the best. Whoever you may are. Irani, Iraqi, I don't know what you may be, but don't try to convince your children and your family and yourself that our rituals are holy, our practices are holy. I read one time in some community, half Iraqis have Lebanese. So on the 9th of Muharram, they said, we have a board meeting. Sayyid, can you attend? I said, but I'm not. I'm just a speaker. I'm I'm here. I don't have anything to do with your board. They said, no, this is a big problem, Allah. We have to solve this problem. You have to join us. I said, okay, inshallah, if I can help you. I sat there. They're discussing whether tomorrow they have to give qima or harisa.
0: Allahu Akbar.
1: Two, three hours. Qima or Harisa? Which one is more holy, Qima or Harisa? Allahu Akbar. This is when rituals take over Islam. Rituals, they completely overtake Islam. And Islam becomes a bunch of Rituals. I kid you not, this is not a joke. I'm not telling you this to laugh. But one time, I also was in a gathering. And while I had finished a Q&A with their youth and heard all their problems and miseries and questions, I went into the hall of the elders to say my goodbyes and to leave. What do you think they were discussing? You know when the radud he reads the Qasida, as soon as he goes into the Abiyat, what does he say? What does he say? What does he say? Someone said nas, someone said nos. This was the argument. Is it hadan nas agati or hadan nos agati? And they were going, hada hamza Zaghair, Hitchi shigul, hada madrishun Hitchi shigul, arguing. Why? Because they need to correct the radud. Because this is a crime. Hadan nos, how can you say hadan Nus? We have people like this, this is not a joke. And unfortunately, sometimes this is the leadership. This is the most important people making decisions. Nos aqil. God of rituals. Number three, what else? God of miracles. He doesn't know God at all. The night of his exam, he wants a mu'jazah, so he prays, reads Joshan al-Kabir, blows all over. Tomorrow he wants to go to his test. Why did you? I want to ace it, khalas. The two hours you're at Jawshan, go and read your exam. No, Allah will inshallah, no, Allah that is adil, that is just, that is fair, inshallah. Tomorrow you fail with an F, then you go back and you retake your test after you study. God of miracles. Every day he wants a miracle from Allah. Every day he wants a mu'jaza from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't teach us this. Rasulullah faced enemies. Rasulullah faced bad. Rasulullah faced Uhud. Rasulullah faced khandaq. Rasulullah, they broke his forehead. He lost his teeth. He had his own uncle. Abu Lahab. Allah has not a button you push. Mu'jaza, mu'jaza, Yalla. Also, many, many versions of God, by the way. Not one, not two. I can go on until Fajr time. Another false God is that God is neglectful of some people. Why? Because this guy, he's not so religious. God, he neglects. Let him go. That is not the case. And we hear this from people who are religious. We tell them, God doesn't listen to me. God doesn't love me. Is is this Iman? Where is the Tawheed? What do you mean God doesn't love you? God doesn't listen to you? Musa was going to meet Allah A good majlis, as a majlis that the khatib stops at the ayah and the congregation, they read latmiyah No, they finish the ayah Quran This is the month of Quran Make sure that we have an amazing relationship with the Qur'an. I cannot emphasize, this is my responsibility. Some people say he's repeating himself, it's okay. The relationship with the Qur'an. So Allah says to him, 30, then he adds 10, it becomes 40. He goes, before he goes, some guy says, Musa, come, come. So yes, what do you need? He says, tell, you're going to Allah, yes. Tell him, I hate him, please. Tell him to leave me alone. Tell him to get out of my life. So says, this guy, Darwata al-Shamas. It's too hot. He's, you know, it's okay. So he goes to Allah one day, two days, 30 days, 39th day. Allah says, Musa, you don't have a message for me? He says, no. Are you sure you don't have a message for me, the Allah? There is a message, but you know I don't want you to be upset with this guy. He's old. He's give him the give me the message. Is the message for you or is it for me? No, the message is for you Allah. Deliver the message. This is the message. Allah says, "Now take my message back to my abd. I created you. I will take care of you." Ya man yu'ti من سأله يَا مَن يُعْطِي مَنْ لَمْ يَسْأَلُهُ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَعْرِفْهُ Why? تَحَنُّنًا مَنْهُ ورحمة. This is Allah. This is Arhamur Rahameen. And last, last before I conclude, the God that does not like to forgive or He forgives, but He forgives with difficulty. Why? Because we, we don't forgive for us it's difficult to forgive depending on what you've done to me it's very difficult for me to forgive and if i forget i cannot if i forgive i cannot forget huh is this true or not so we put the same formula on allah for you to get forgiven salat al-layl you have to cry you have to go to hajj you have to go to ziyara you have to this you have to that none of that that's what one moment of regret. One moment of regret. One moment of regret. And you say, Oh Allah, I will not go back to this sin. You're forgiven. That riwayah says to one of the imams, one of the immaculate imams, this is why I said they are our hope. They go to him. They said, Rasulullah, I truly repented. I truly, truly, truly repented. I hated myself and the sin and this and this. But then I went back to it. Now what do I do? He says, do istighfar. But, but I, I did this last time. Again do it and again Allah will accept. He went on to, up to 10 times. He said, what if I 10 times? He repeated the same question. He said, in'udta alf, aadallahu alf. If you do, the, do this a thousand times, Allah will give, forgive you a thousand times. Allah's doors of forgiveness are open. They say they brought the sword of Zubair ibn al-Awwam to Imam Ali. Imam Ali looked at his sword and he cried. Why? Why did he cry? Because he didn't want Zubair to have this end. He wanted Zubair to be forgiven. He wanted Zubair to come to him so he can open the door of rahma to him. This is the heart of Ahlul Bayt. That's why they have a legacy of du'as that we enjoy. Every moment of our lives, every moment you're depressed, you go to a du'a, you have a haja, you go to a du'a, in the morning you start with du'a al sabah in du'hr time, in asr time, maghrib time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every time they have a du'a ready for you. Go and shop in this wealth, enjoy, because they want you to have that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're getting towards the end of the majlis. Why did Imam al-Hussein take that six-month-year-old infant? Why? Because he saw them, so much sin. He cried. They all will enter the wrath of God because of me. Maybe I can decrease some of their sins. Maybe they give some water to this child so they decrease the punishment. You want to know more? Why did Imam Al Hussein last breath ask for water from Shimr? Shimr came to him. When he sat, he said, Shimr, go fetch me some water. Did Imam Al Hussein really want that water? He knew that's its moments. He saw the Jahannam that Shimr created for himself. He said, Maybe I can decrease. Maybe he can get up and change his mind. Maybe he will have Hayat. Maybe he will fear Allah. This is the rahmah of Hussein. Or else Hussein stung, ilahi biridak, la siwak. This was Hussein. He was not complaining. He was not saying, ah, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm bleeding. No, 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 ilahi. Biridak, la siwak. But you know who knew Hussein? Sometimes we end up in majalis 50 years we don't understand Hussein. But there was one man who figured him out in eight days and nine evenings. hur ibn Yazid al He figured him out. He knew that now if I go to Hussein, he's not going to shame me. He's not going to shut his door. He's not going to drive me away. He came, he said, Yabna Rasool Allah, halli min tawbah? Ma'am Hussein did didn't tell him, oh, for you to do tawbah, you have to go to 50 hajj. تُبْتَعْبَ alayk. عَلَيْكُ تُبْتَعْبَ allahu Stand up. I will not shame you. I will hold you by the hand. I will raise you. تبتعب allahu عَلَيْكُ Let's figure out Hussain. Let's figure out Ahlul Bayt. Let's figure out the role of this majlis.